Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name's Eric. I'm the founder of holisticnootropics.com, and we are continuing our series going deep down the nootropics rabbit hole, where today we're going to be talking about adaptogens and nootropics. So this is going to be a really fun podcast where we uh, talk all about uh, my favorite herbal compounds, adaptogens. If you're someone who is interested in all things natural nootropics and natural supplements, you're going to love what we talk about today. Real quick, if you are someone who does like to use adaptogens and other different supplements, but you only want to buy the best stuff that's on the market today, then head on over to holisticnootropics.com. You can download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This is a guide that will walk you through ingredient by ingredient on how to find the best quality supplements and nootropics on the market today. I made this guide because the supplement industry is filled with a lot of poor quality products. Uh, a lot of them are filled with different preservatives and fillers that manufacturers use to speed up production, keep shelf life long. And at the end of the day, they diminish the quality of the product and you're not getting what you're really paying for. So you want to know what to look out for. So you can actually download that that supplement guide, leave it on your desktop if you're buying supplements online, put it on your phone, take it with you, print it out, take it with you if you go to the store and buy different supplements. It's going to help you buy the best quality stuff on the market today. Again, do that over at holisticnootropics.com. So like I said, today we're going to talk about adaptogens and nootropics. We're going to talk about the benefits of adaptogens. We're going to talk about the overview of uh, what they are, their history, the best way to use them, my personal experience using uh, different adaptogens. And of course, everything is time stamped down below the video. So if you want to just skip to a specific topic or section, you can do that right below the video here in YouTube. And if you're listening to this on uh, the podcast, I'll also have those or audio podcasts. I'll have those times listed in the uh, podcast description. You can find those just below. So let's start off with the idea of adaptogens. What are adaptogens? Maybe you've heard of adaptogens. Maybe you're new to adaptogens. Yeah, you know, and you, you heard of like adaptogens through a, like a podcast or a video, or you know, uh, maybe like a nutritionist or a, a personal trainer or somebody. Um, they really are some of the most powerful herbal compounds in the world, and that's because what they are known to do is they modulate your body's internal stress response. So just a quick primer on, you know, what the stress response is, is in your body, you have the autonomic nervous system. You have a parasympathetic system and you have a sympathetic nervous system. And your sympathetic nervous system is known as your fight or flight system. So it's the part of your autonomic nervous system that reacts when you're under a different stress. And stress comes about um, internally uh, controlled through what is called the HPA axis. That is your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So this is like your stress, your internal stress management superhighway. So Stress is perceived by the hypothalamus, which is kind of considered like the thermostat of the brain. It sends a signal down to your pituitary gland, which then sends a, a message to your adrenal glands to output stress hormones in the form of typically cortisol or noradrenaline. Uh, in most cases, to deal with the stress that we're talking about, it's going to be cortisol. Now, um, 
you know, this works within the endocrine system. So the issue with stress is that not only are you dealing with stress, but then it can affect so many parts of your bodies pertaining to the endocrine system. So it can affect, you know, your blood sugar regulation and it can affect your hormones. And of course, you know, the these are two of the biggest health topics people are talking about today. How do we control our hormones? You hear people talk about balancing hormones and balancing blood sugar because, you know, when it comes to the modern person, it just so happens that these two areas, because of the diet, because of, you know, chemical toxicity in the environment, because of our psychological stresses that we're dealing with, both of these things are out of whack and it all really goes back to how is your internal stress response being managed? So where did adaptogens come from in all of this? So the history of adaptogens actually goes back to World War II when the benefits of the plant compound Schisandra were first documented. Now, um, what you had were these scientists working with these herbal compounds and, you know, over the next two decades is when you really had the term adaptogen coined. And then, you know, they started synthesizing more of these. Well, they didn't synthesize, but they were uh, studying these different plant compounds that they found had these adaptogenic qualities. So the the term adaptogen was actually uh, actually comes from, again, 1950s, 1960s research into these plant compounds due to their ability to modulate the body's internal stress response, working off of Hans Seiley's, Seiley's sales, um, famous psychologist, theory of stress and general adaptation syndrome, which has three phases. So uh, the, 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 really the modern idea of stress goes down to, or comes down to three different phases, which are the alarm phase, the resistance phase, and then the exhaustion phase. So adaptogens really work within prolonging the resistance phase. And typically, you know, a lot of us though, a lot of people today are living in that exhaustion phase. So after you've been under chronic stress for so long, your body just gives up. Your body is just worn out. It's exhausted. It's not only physically exhausted because stress can be exhausting, but it's also exhausted because you've exhausted your ability to keep putting out the stress hormone to help your body manage the stress. Okay. So how do these adaptogens work? So, um, you know, I should say there are dozens of of different adaptogenic herbs. And all of them, obviously, they have different molecular structures. So they're going to work very uniquely in the body. Um, but for the most part, an adaptogen itself, they all, you know, they, they, even though they have their own specific um, ways of working and molecular structures, they all kind of work within the same framework. So, um, you know, what they do is, uh, let me take a step back. You can think of an adaptogen almost like, kind of like a stress vaccine. And I hate using that word because it's so triggering, especially in these days. But think of it like a stress vaccine where it does elicit like a minor stressor to the body. So you're essentially teaching the body to adapt better to the stress. Okay. And that's because when you take an adaptogen, they activate different transcription factors, different protein kinases, specifically heat shock proteins, and then a compound called neuropeptide Y, NPY. And each of these is associated with many benefits. So, you know, each of these, uh, especially the heat shock proteins, uh, HSP 70 and 
HSP-16. They are molecular chaperones involved in stress-induced cytoprotection and in adapt adaptation of repeated exposure to an initial stressor. So what that means for you is increased longevity, increased mitochondrial glutathione and ATP status. So more antioxidant, more cellular energy, um, and then your overall antioxidant status is enhanced. So the neuropeptide Y, uh, well, let me, let me take a step back. So when these, when these compounds are released, specifically the heat shock proteins and the neuropeptide Y, um, what you're going to get is the protection from the deleterious effects of stress. So remember, stress is essential to life. It's the severe stress and the overload of stress, which is where the exhaustion phase starts to set up. So, you know, every day, even going back to when life was a little simpler, um, you know, you have little stresses that, that your body experiences. I mean, even down to like lifting like something up to put it on a shelf or something, that could be a, a minor stress. Uh, you know, anything, any kind of resistance you have to come across, that's a minor stress. But these days, we're talking about chronic prolonged stress in the sense of, you know, stress work, stressful relationships, just a stressful world in general. If you've watched the news for even five minutes, I mean, that's going to induce stress, stress from environmental toxicity in the air, the water, the food, uh, obesity, different medical conditions contribute um, to stress. Just looking at your phone, um, you know, toxic relationships, whether it's like an intimate relationship or relationship with family or people, work stress, all these different stresses are probably the highest they've been ever with the exception of like, if you're living in, you know, war times. And even that's like, I mean, that's of course an insane stress. So the thing about prolonged stress is it's known to downregulate over time, the ability of your HPA axis to really do the job of what it's supposed to do. Because the HPA axis is a negative feedback loop, which means that it's going to, at the end, get cortisol out of the adrenal glands to, uh, to, to really regulate blood sugar so that you can get into that fight or flight. That's what cortisol does at the end of the day. It's a blood sugar releasing hormone. Um, you know, it stimulates gluconeogenesis. It uh, stimulates the release of glucose in tissue so that your body can now have cellular uh, energy to start, you know, fighting or flighting. So what happens though, is that prolonged exposure to a stressor keeps the HPA axis activated because uh, let me take a step back. The negative feedback loop means that once the cortisol is in circulation, it's going to um, bind to what's called a glucocorticoid receptor in the brain because cortisol is a glucocorticoid. And it's that receptor that sends the feedback to the hypothalamus that basically says, Hey, stress over, we got everything handled, everything's good, you can stop, you can stop activating the HPA axis. HPA hypothalamus says, good call, set the temperature back to normal, everything's cool and chill. Problem is, is that prolonged stress is known to downregulate the glucocorticoid receptor. And so what that means is it basically blocks or inhibits the ability of the glucocorticoid receptor to bind glucocorticoids. And what that means now is you have cortisol in circulation. And so when you have uh, cortisol in circulation, this is where you get 
elevated blood levels of cortisol. And this is where you see the deleterious effects of cortisol, which is associated with fatigue, depression, impaired memory, inability to concentrate, uh, concentrate and other, you know, like deleterious effects to muscles, to bones, to your whole body, to your, uh, to your immune system. Um, so it's really that inability for cortisol to properly bind to where it's got to go is what makes the prolonged stress so, um, physiologically bad. Um, and so then of course, uh, you're going to be making less ATP, your blood sugar is going to start getting dysregulated. And this is where you start getting chronic disease. So what adaptogens do is, um, and, and I should say at the cellular level, uh, I won't go into all that. Um, it's going to get too complicated. I want to keep things a little bit more simple. So like I said a few minutes ago, what adaptogens do is they activate neuropeptide Y and heat shock proteins, which inhibit stress activated protein kinases. Okay. So in the cell, these stress activated protein kinases, where the glucocorticoid receptors um, bind, these stress activated protein kinases are what shut down the, uh, is what shut down the glucocorticoid receptor. And that's because they're like the name indicates they're stress activated protein kinases. So these specific kinases, they activate due to prolonged stress, and then they shut down the glucocorticoid receptor, and so the cortisol cannot bind, all right? Now, what neuropeptide Y and heat shock proteins do, those are again activated by adaptogens, so adaptogens go in, they activate neuropeptide Y, they activate heat shock proteins, they inhibit the activity of stress activated protein kinases, which allow the glucocorticoid receptor to be upregulated, to be more expressed. So that now when you have the cortisol in your bloodstream, it's going to properly bind to where it's got to go. And then of course this helps your body work properly. So, um, both of these are normal, um, are normal things that are activated in times of stress. It's just that you have to go through all of the stress and all of the cortisol release to get your body to release the neuropeptide Y and the heat shock proteins. By taking an adaptogen, you pretty much, you pretty much, um, you know, you, you pretty much bypass all of that stress induced stress in the body and go straight to the beneficial homeostatic mechanisms of neuropeptide Y and uh, heat shock protein. So these are your body's innate defenses towards the deleterious effects of stress. And then of course, like a heat shock protein is what you get when you use like a sauna therapy or when you exercise and you get all of those internal um, intracellular benefits from that. So you're getting that same kind of activity from an adaptogen. So specifically neuropeptide Y has many benefits, some of which include neurogenesis. Uh, it regulates the neuroendocrine release of hypothalamic, uh, hypothalamic hormones like luteinizing, hor uh, luteinizing hormone. If you're a, you know, if you're a testosterone bro, you know, LH is necessary for proper, uh, uh, testosterone production in the Leydig cells of your bowels. Uh, neuropeptide Y has anxiolytic benefits. It's shown to reduce the affinity for alcoholism and substance abuse. And of course, it's uh, a stress reducer. Heat shock proteins, what they do is they help with the refolding of misfolded protein. So this is where you get a lot of disease from, which are, you know, misfolded proteins all the way at the cellular level. Heat shock proteins 
help with the refolding of those. So you're getting that benefit. And then of course, you're going to get the neural protection because misfolded proteins are what's believed to contribute to uh, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you get neural protection, you get stress adaptation, better immunity, homeostasis of neuronal cells, and um, better overall cognitive function. So um, really, if you're somebody who is not just interested in stress relief, but you're also interested in like longevity, overall better brain health, overall better physical health, adaptogens help, uh, help with all of that. So who would want to use adaptogens? Why would you use adaptogens? Well, obviously it's anybody who is dealing with, um, you deal with a world of a lot of stress. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're a high flying corporate exec, if you're a student, if you're in stressful relationships, if you just have like a lot of anxiety or a lot of issues with stress itself, then you're going to want to use in adaptogen because again, you can't avoid stresses in life, especially you can't avoid toxicity in, in chemicals in the food, water, air, but you can help your body better deal with the stresses and that's what adaptogens do. They're also great for, um, you know, addiction recovery. So if you're dealing with, uh, if you know, if you're quitting drinking, quitting amphetamines, if you're quitting uh, cigarettes, if you're quitting whatever substance, um, you know, this can help keep your body stable so you don't feel stressed out from that. It's good for physical activity. So if you exercise a lot, if you lift a lot of weights, you feel sore a lot, it can help with, um, uh, it can help with uh, th uh, that recovery. And it's also good for being social. So if you're somebody who deals with like social anxiety, you know, you're kind of nervous at parties, you're kind of shy around people in networking situations, there's adaptogens that can help with that. So without going into too much detail, you know, some really popular adaptogens include rhodiola rosea, which is, um, you know, in my opinion, probably the best uh, adaptogen that's out there. Uh, that's where you're going to get a lot of good cognitive benefits, but then a lot of really good energizing benefits. But then um, it's really good. Uh, you know, it can kind of really potently modulate your body's stress system. So it will pump you up when you need more energy, but it can also help wind you down. Ashwagandha is also a very popular adaptogenic herb, although it can be kind of controversial. It's good for neuroprotection. It's good for calming. It can be good for testosterone and sex hormones. But I have heard that uh, in some cases, it can chill people out too much to where you start to experience things like anhedonia, which is, um, you know, kind of really like your loss of zest for life, which you, know, you don't really want to do. I personally love Bacopa Monnieri. That's probably my favorite adaptogen right now because that's really good for anxiety and memory. Then of course there's Cassandra, Eleuthero, and then you get the uh, Siberian ginseng, red ginseng, Panax ginseng. Um, you know, you get uh, cordyceps mushrooms, reishi mushrooms. And I have heard people uh, classify um, lion's mane as an adaptogen. So that's pretty cool. Now, with stacking adaptogens, you know, using them together, um, it's kind of difficult. I would highly recommend working with a trained herbalist because, uh, you know, with herbs, there's like a whole world of herbalism that I'll be honest, I don't really even fully understand because, uh, you know, it deals with a lot of your natural constitution of your body. You know, they use things like, you know, are you wet? Are you uh, hot? What is it, wet or dry, hot or cold, up or down, forwards or backwards? There's a lot of ways, and then they kind of are able to mix and uh, match and specific dosing. So 
herbs can get kind of confusing, you know, um, but they, they can be very potent. You know, they, the history of them goes back to Ayurveda, goes back to traditional Chinese medicine. So you want to work with somebody who knows these practices quite well to really get the most out of herbs. But, you know, there are a couple stock, uh, stacking options in terms of nootropics that I would recommend. Um, there uh, has been an extensively studied blend called ADAPT 232. You can't really buy it, but um, it was studied to get to elucidate benefits of uh, rhodiola rosea, eleuthera, which is Siberian ginseng, and schisandra. So um, they have done a lot of studies on this specific blend of those three compounds, and they do see a lot of the benefits we're talking about with um, adaptogen. So the mood benefits, the memory benefits, the neuroprotection, um, the focus, the stress reduction, you know, they have seen that in that specific blend. So that again is made up of rhodiola rosea, eleuthero, and then schisandra. And, you know, if you're into nootropics, you can always stack, uh, a, an adaptogen with like a good choline source, an amino acid, even aracetam, you know, uh, could be a good, interesting mix to see how those all work together. You're not getting, you know, much MAO inhibition. You're not getting, you know, too much serotonin boost. So you're not going to run into too much serotonin syndrome, um, with that. So, uh, personally, I love to just kind of stick to the more pre-formulated stacks with these things. So like a mind lab pro has Bacopa and rhodiola already in there, already blended with other herbs and choline sources and aminos, other nootropics. So you're going to get a lot out of that. Um, now my personal use, like I said, I have used rhodiola. I love rhodiola. I, I haven't used ashwagandha too much, but I do use Bacopa monnieri every single day. And then I have used the mushrooms and I've, I've noticed a lot of good results. You know, sometimes you don't notice anything to be honest, you know, because you're talking about something that's working so deep in your body on the HPA axis. You don't really notice it. It's not like a buzz. It's not like, you know, like you're drinking alcohol. You start to feel a social lubrication. You're just going to feel, you know, you're just going to kind of go about, go about your day. You'll do things. And then you might look back at the end of the day, and be like, Oh my God, I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel stressed out. I just felt good. I just felt fine. I just have like this normal kind of feeling of feeling good. That's what you're going to experience from adaptogen. So, um, the best thing is too, uh, you know, they're going to help you sleep. So take them at the right time of day. Don't take ones like don't, I, I wouldn't say take them too late at night. Although there are some blends out there that do have like a ashwagandha or bacopa in a sleep formula. I don't think they're good to take at night because like I said, they do elicit a little bit of a stress response. So they might wire you up a little bit too much before you go to bed. But again, that's all individual. Who knows? It might work for you. So I'd love to know what you think about adaptogens. Let me know down in the comments what your favorite adaptogen is. If you've used adaptogens, if you are interested in trying any adaptogens, let me know down in the comments below. If you enjoyed the podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave the podcast a five-star review. And for everything holistic nootropics, head on over to holisticnootropics.com. That's all for today, everybody. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.